Today I'm asking God to do something that no amount of my words can do. Um, and I've given up long ago. I cannot convince you of God's love, so I'm not even interested in trying. But what I can do is I can remind you how much you are loved by God. And I can pray that the Holy Spirit can do something in your heart that I am absolutely bankrupt to make happen. He can make that a reality, and he alone can, and that is my prayer. And so I want to open up, as I often do, with a question. And I want you just to think about it in your own heart, in your own mind. Growing up, did you ever have a favorite toy? You don't have to share it out loud. Just growing up, did you ever have a favorite toy? For me, it was anything Spider-Man. When I was seven, eight, nine, or 10, it was anything remotely Spider-Man. And I loved, I thought, I hoped, I wished that I could be him. I really did. Turn the person beside you and say, that's a delusion. <laughs> but it was my delusion. And, and, I, and I remember distinctly, I do not remember the age because I don't even recall very clearly last week, but I remember I was in my single digits and I received Spider-Man pajamas for Christmas Eve. <laughs> As a kid, when you go to grab a present, you feel if it's soft. If it's soft, you put it back. If it feels like a toy, you grab that one. But I, this is the one that I opened, and it was Spider-Man pajamas. And I put them on, and in that moment, I became more like him. I could run faster. I could leap higher. I, could, I, I had tingling spider sense that knew. I didn't have any of those things, but in my heart I did. <laughs> all I'm saying is when I put them on, it was all glory. Because there I was, decked out, just like my favorite superhero character. And here's what was amazing. In that moment, as a young boy, there were far more expensive pajamas that I could have been given. Like, I could have been given Louis Vuitton pajamas. Turn the person beside you and say, I don't even know if they make those, but I don't care. <laughs> I could have been given Calvin Klein pajamas. It wasn't the cost of the pajamas that gave them value. It was the love that I had for him that gave them their worth. And the older we get, the more we turn to get this round, get this the wrong way. You and I live in a meritocracy, which means that everywhere you go, you are accepted or rejected. You are given a yes or you're given a no. You are valued based on your achievement. We even put them on our cars, like my kids are an A plus student and they go to this university. If you have that on your car, that's great. I'm just saying, all of that is meritocracy. I'm going to put on the back of my car like, I woke up today. <laughs> just that. We live in a meritocracy. Everything is based on earning. We get up every day proving our worth, proving our value, hitting our sales targets, making sure that everyone of, anyone around us sees our value. And so oftentimes when it comes to the story of Christmas and it comes to God, understanding God's love, we approach it very, very much the same way. But it's not what you do that gives you value. It is God's love for you that makes us valuable. We tend to mix it all up, but like a little boy with his Spider-Man pajamas, it gives us a better picture of what it is that we're talking about. 
because God's love for us is the heart of the Christmas story. And these are, God's love gives us value. And these are not my words, they they belong to Jesus. He finishes a message, not when he's a baby, but when he grows up to be a man. And he begins to explain how persecution, tribulation, pressure, things that disciples are gonna go through that they cannot escape. Anybody here ever go through a storm that you can't escape it no matter what you do? Somebody's opinion of you can't change. It doesn't matter what you do. The way they think of you never changes. Jesus says, this is going to happen to you as disciples. And it's in the context of he is saying to his disciples, this is not how I think about you. This is not how the father thinks about you. But when you go through life, you are going to experience being mistreated, you're gonna be misused, you're even going to be devalued and discarded by some people, even those who claim to be doing this for God. You're gonna experience this. And here's all I know, is when you and I are mistreated or misused, overlooked or devalued, discarded by others, it can stick to our soul. It can make us question our value, even pondering, God, do you really love me? I know that you love humanity, but what about me? Like, I get it because it's a big statement, but, but what about me? Do you love me? And so to illustrate how much God profoundly does love you, Jesus takes by earthly standards things of little to no value, like less value than Kmart Spider-Man pajamas. In his culture, in his context, he takes things, two things, that people would have thought nothing about, and he shows us how the creator views everything in his creation, even the things that we think nobody cares about. Here's what Jesus says, and here's what I pray. I pray in your belief system, this can become embedded by the Holy Spirit today. After talking about persecution about his disciples, he says to them this, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? In other words, aren't two sparrows sold for the lowest common denominator? They are of no value in terms of culture whatsoever. Two sparrows, aren't they sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. What is Jesus saying? That when it comes to the creator, nothing happens in creation that is beyond his gaze. And that there is nothing that happens in his creation that he is indifferent about or indifferent to. And so when you are a disciple and you are being misused, mistreated, discarded even by some or devalued by others, in that moment when it sticks to your soul, know that your value is not based on their opinion. It is based on your heavenly father who sees the most insignificant things, two sparrows who are sold for a penny. And if one one falls, your father notices. This, by the way, is not my words. It's the creator who created the world saying this about his creation. And then he goes one step further. But even the hairs on your head are numbered. That's not a bald joke or a big hair joke. You know what it is. It's understanding this is what is true about every single one of us. None of us realize when a hair falls from our heads. None of us. 
Like from the time you woke up to the time you got here today, I promise you, if one piece of hair fell from your head, unless it was pulled out with by force, then you would have noticed. But if it just fell out, you didn't notice it at all. But your heavenly father does. Why? Because it's the value he places on created things. Some of you look at the world and you say, God, if you're good, why, don't you care about all of these things? You can feel that passionately, but your feelings can lead you into deception about who God is. God cares more about the created problems of this world than you and I ever will. His love and his affection Jesus is showing us the dot, dot, dot. If he cares that much about a single strand of hair, how much more your soul? So the question is, why then is it so difficult? Why is it so easy to talk about God's love? And why is it so hard to remain in it, to abide within it? If it's relatively easy to understand, why, why is it so hard to rest, to trust it, to rest in it? Well, the answer is, I think, found by looking at the Christmas story from a different perspective. You know, we know the story of Christmas through Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, shepherds, and a star. But Revelation 12 gives us the story of Christmas from not earth, but a heavenly perspective. It's, by the way, if you're a parent, it's a really great, Revelation 12 is a great bedtime story. It is. I'm not joking with that. Like, don't dress up in the characters we're about to read. That's going to freak your kids out for the rest of their lives. But it's a good story that captures the imagination of what God is doing. And just before we get to the story, let's do this. I'm going to start, and because you love me so much, you're going to sing immediately so that it's not a solo. Yes? <laughs> Silent night. for next Sunday. I do love the fact that spontaneously most of you or some of you clap for yourselves like, aren't we good? <laughs> Look what we just did. And you did beautiful. You really did. I made my bed. Come look at me. Who made my bed? No, I didn't. This is an example. Okay. <laughs> Why did I have you sing that song? Well, yeah, we're going to sing it next week together by candlelight. But I want to read Revelation 12 because he, here's why. In order for you and I as humanity to sleep in heavenly peace, all hell and loose breaks out in heaven. And I want you to know that specifically. Why is it so hard to abide in God's love? Because God's love is not the only force on the earth today. We are not alone. We genuinely believe that the natural and the spiritual 
collide. Heaven touches earth, that there are supernatural things that occur. And it says, a great sign appeared in the heaven or in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun. This is apocryphal language. Like if you walk into indigo and there's a poetry section, this is where this fits, not the biography. Okay, quick, quick little theology lesson here. How many of you know there's a lot of words in the Bible? But there's different genres of writing in the Bible. Like not everything's history. Sometimes it's like if you're in the Psalms, you're into poetic language and license, yes? Okay, some of you, that may be revelatory because you're like, so if you're reading something, you're like, man, that, that's literal. No, it's maybe, if it's in the Psalms, it could be describing something with poetic language. The rose of Sharon, the aroma of God. If you like roses, you're like, I can't wait for that smell. If you hate roses, you're like, oh no. <laughs> language. So a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. Imagery, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. What is this pointing to? That the moment humanity fell, God's love didn't leave. It engages this plan in place that God has been at work choosing and bringing a plan of redemption through the Jewish people, all 12 tribes of Israel, where a virgin from these tribes will give birth to the Messiah. But this isn't the only symbolic sign. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, we see darkness is revealed. It's present. A woman gives birth, but a beast tries to destroy the child, which is the antithesis, by the way, of what love does. Love builds up, and darkness always tears down. You and I, with this, our same mouths, we can bless others and we can curse others. We can lift one another's up and we can tear one another down. Inside of us, there's this constant contested space for what is going to be. God and darkness both have one thing in common in the Christmas story. They both see the value in the child, one to behold and the other to destroy. And I want you to know that the spirit that tries to destroy the person of Jesus is not a new spirit. It's been around since Revelation chapter 12. It's the same one in Canada today. It's the same thing everywhere. It's not just thought, it's not just opinion, it's not just belief, it is behind all those things, darkness that seeks to deceive and then destroy the very image, nature of God. You live in contested space. And another sign appeared in the heavens, behold, a great red dragon. This is the part as a parent you can read, please don't dress up in these characters again, you'll freak your kids right out, or do if you're that type of parent. It would have worked in the 80s. You could have done it and people would have been like, right on. In 2023, you may get brought somewhere if you do this. <laughs> and I'm not saying which parenting generation was better. I've got my own ideas, but I'm just saying. And another side appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. And on his head, seven diadems. Turn to the person beside you and go, yep. <laughs> Apocryphal language. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Heaven. And she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And so on earth, you've got Mary and you've got Joseph and she is pregnant with Jesus. And it's the census and you know the story incredibly well. 
And they're going and there's no room in the inn and they seem to be discarded and put in different places. While on earth all of this is taking place, in heaven you see this other picture that is unfolding. How many of you on earth are just going, God, do you care? And God in heaven absolutely cares because where darkness is present, light always pushes back. Sometimes we don't see it quickly or we can't see it here, but God is always active and moving in our story. I mean, think about it. The Christmas story is a remarkable story cast against the backdrop of darkness. Darkness, by the way, is everywhere as a contrast in the Christmas story. It is everywhere. Light that darkness tries but could never extinguish. A loving God repeatedly calms the encroaching shadow of fear cast on every single human soul. Wherever you see fear in the original Christmas story, you see this three words, do not fear. Wherever darkness wants to encroach, light pushes it back. A dark and barren womb of Elizabeth is suddenly opened by conception. Night and landscapes immediately shine bright with angelic glory singing about our great God. Pitch black skies, by the way, frame the backdrop for the wise men from the east to follow a star to where Jesus was. Closed inns, closed doors, dingy stables witness light coming in to his created world. And even after his birth, King Herod brings crushing darkness to families and the nation of Israel. And so perhaps it is difficult to abide, to trust in God's love, because Christmas is not only a story about light, it is also a story about darkness that actively opposes this light, this specific light, this singular light, this only light. And as you have heard this morning time and again, for various reasons, this Christmas may be just sleeping in heavenly peace for you, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And for others of you, it might be a profoundly difficult time. It may be difficult due to your own decisions. It may be difficult due to others, people's decisions. Or it may just be that life has been unfair, that circumstances have not turned your way, that they have been increasingly difficult. It might be that when you look at the world, you don't have hope. You just feel a ton of hopelessness. And I want you to know that, yes, darkness is real. But this darkness then, this darkness now, never overcomes the light that who has come into the world. And when you don't see it, the story of Christmas is you can trust that God is at work opposing darkness. That in the heavens, darkness is being dealt with. It's being opposed. Just like when a hair falls from your head, you don't notice, but the creator notices. The creator notices any and everywhere the enemy tries to move. Christmas is a rescue mission. It's a story about what God has done for us and what God is continuing to do, continuing to do on our behalf. Here's what it says in Revelation 12, 7 to 9. Now a, rose, a war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against, everyone say fighting against, contested space, not letting darkness encroach against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was, the dragon, the enemy was defeated. 
And there was no longer any place for them in heaven where God resides. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan. Here's what it says about him. Here's his moniker, his deceiver of the whole world. Wow. The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So again, what is the overwhelming comfort for each of us today? As I just mentioned, wherever darkness opposes, light always pushes back. God's love, which gives us value, is never passive. It is always engaged. It is always active. It is never just ho-hum there. It is always right there. I love this scripture. I say it a thousand times a year, and I'll say it a thousand times a year until I die. When you woke up this morning, God, who did not sleep or slumber, had a gift for you. As soon as your eyes opened, you're not good enough. You didn't earn it. There's nothing you could do to deserve it. There was grace and there was mercy available to you the moment you opened your eyes up. Why? Because your heavenly father loves you. Not because you slept so well last night. Some of you snored all night. Some person beside you and say, that's not very nice. It's not very nice for the person you were maybe there in the room with you. Not Lori. She doesn't snore at all. She sleeps like this. And then she, you know what Lori does though, all night, I will tell you, she talks. <laughs> and it sounds like this. I'll give you a little insight. Bus, truck, run, car, hmm. Lord, I cast it out. Whatever it is, Lord, I cast it out. No, no, just, just jokes. Just jokes. Wait, yeah. Lori, Lori can say what I do in my sleep, but it's, it's, it's interesting. So, <laughs> Christmas is the story that, yeah, darkness is real. It is among us. We walk through its valleys, and we experience it firsthand, but so is this truth, and here's what it says in Revelation 12, verses 10. It says everything that God has done, and now you and I have a part to play. It says, I heard a loud voice in heaven, not a quiet voice, a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come to earth. Loved ones in Christ, you have something better than Spider-Man pajamas to put on. I put on little Spider-Man pajamas and I thought I was him and then I became a man and I put on Christ and I try to remain in him because in Christ you have salvation and power of our God and the authority from Christ to push back darkness. It's what you have. The message of Christmas is not just all is calm and all is bright. It's in the midst of the mess of humanity. Light has come to eradicate darkness. You know, you can eradicate darkness. Smile at people. Like, not like a psychopath like that, but like <laughs> smile at them. <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> this week at the grocery store, I'm going to give you an exercise. You ready for it? Pick the longest line. I'm serious. Pick the longest line and say this to yourself. I am going to fight to be in the present. Turn the person who's I just said, I'm not doing that. 
pick the longest line, slow down, see the cashier. How you doing? Lori and I were picking up a gift and the lovely cashier, beautiful teenager, God bless them. They went to get what they needed to get and got the wrong one four times. <laughs> and my attitude in my face went from preaching to like, what is wrong with you? And I preached to my old soul, see them. And Lori said, how you doing? And she said, I'm really tired. And I wanted to go, evidently so. <laughs> Tell me what I, what I didn't know, Sherlock. Right? But we didn't, we kept that darkness down. And we said, we, we pray that you get rest for your soul. Now for the love of everything holy, can you get the right box, please? <laughs> I saw a loud voice of heaven saying, now the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ has come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. Who accuses them day and night. Thrown down, but doesn't stop accusing. And it says, they have conquered him by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of the lamb, and by the word of their... By the word of their, to the word of your testimony. In other words, it is in what Christ has done. And then we come in not trying to do what Christ has done, but based upon what Christ has done, we confess that, not darkness. We live in that, not darkness. Yes. So we smile at people and we take the long light and we pray people have rest for their souls, even when they mess up four times in a row over a task that's not quite difficult. Darkness still is there. Life's inner darkness is a defeated foe. But it's an active one. Because God loves the world, one day he will forever deal with its very presence. But on this day, because Christ came, because of the victorious cross, he gives you and I the power to break up any partnership with darkness right now. Christmas, though, is not just a story. No. The world tells a story. And you know what it is? Prove your value. And we start it with kids. Were you good this year? Were you good enough this year to get a gift? Or were you naughty and you get nothing? In other words, prove your worth. The message of Christmas, by the way, from the culture is prove your worth, prove your worth, prove your worth. And we start it when they're yay high. I'm not coming against the, everything in the culture. I'm just saying it ain't the gospel. The gospel isn't based on whether you were naughty or nice that you get salvation. It is based on God's goodness and his affection for you that none of us are deserving, but we still get grace because he alone is good. This is the story that we lead into. And so to embrace the true story of Christmas, we need childlike faith to trust that God's love gives us value like a little boy in his Spider-Man pajamas. Does God really love us? Well, as Thomas Merton once said, love, if it is indeed love, seeks only one thing, the good of the loved one. And so for God so loved 
you that he gave his son. Why did God give us his son? Because God loves you. Not because we deserved it. Not because we're all that in a bag of chips. Because he's good. And so may you live into the true story of Christmas. And we want you to just take a moment, close your eyes, and through the gift of song, let God minister his love as we sing about the names of God. May they replace any lie, any name that is sticking to your soul that came from the lips of someone who shouldn't have treated you this way, but did. May who God is and may God's love erase and replace any inferior name or love written on your soul today.